Dr. Abloh, it is great to talk with you again. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Frank. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I want to pick your brain on a few different issues, including the fact that it is Valentine's Day. And if you're single on Valentine's Day, you know, sometimes you feel a little lonely. Sometimes you feel a little left out. Do you have any advice in terms of not feeling depressed for people that might not have a date or a husband or a girlfriend or a wife on Valentine's Day? Well, sure. I've all, all kinds of advice. The first thing is you always feel better if you're playing offense, right? And so literally, you get all these dating sites out there. I know they're not everybody's cup of tea, but if you can just take one step forward, maybe you try one of those. Maybe you tell two friends, you know what? I'd really love to meet someone. When you feel isolated and iced out, it's a lot tougher than when you say, you know what, it's Valentine's Day. I think I'm going to take this as my point of departure to begin my next effort to find a relationship. That's one thing. Second thing is let the universe do your work for you. You know, it, 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 in addition to taking that step forward, it puts in motion certain gears. You can't force or rush these things. You can do what you can do. But in the end, if you're not with someone right now, that means right now you're not supposed to be. It's okay. Next Valentine's Day, you might be with someone who you've been with for 11 months and can't stand. Think now, of it that way. Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, certainly good advice. I mean, can you use the fact that you're not in a relationship as maybe a, a wake-up call for self-improvement for things that uh, you need to improve in your own life? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's uh, something like weight loss. Maybe it's uh, anger management issues. Maybe it's uh, an addiction to anything from uh, from gambling to alcohol to substance abuse. Can you use the fact that, hey, here I am alone again on another Valentine's Day to, as, a, as a sobering wake-up call? Well, sure. If, if you've wanted a relationship for a long time and it's been one Valentine's Day after another, self-reflection is a powerful tool. So you could say to yourself without being, you know, without being uh, down on yourself, if you can say, well, look, maybe there is something in my way. And by the way, maybe it is uh, struggling with weight. Maybe, maybe it is, hey, you know, really, I have never committed to my passion. And so who's going to necessarily be moved by me because I'm not doing what I want to do in life. But it could also be something about your life story. If, you know, because if you come from background, for instance, where you saw one calamity after another in your family of origin, three broken marriages, whatever it might be, you may think you want a relationship, but you may be giving off all kinds of signals that you really don't. Because you think of it as going home, and home wasn't such a great place. So if somehow you can look at your life story and say, is there anything in my life story that would lead me to put the opposite signal out there? And by the way, one of them might be, well, I say I want to date, but I'm not really trying. Well, why not? Well, if you look in your background, you might find out, well, really the models that I've had for relationships have been very disappointing. If you can then come to grips with that and separate it from your own next chapters in your life story, you don't have to be owned by the past. You can actually own your future, but you have to be able to look at it and say, 
well, that's not me. I was a kid or I was just an adolescent Mm. when my parents went through that eight-year divorce, whatever it might be. If you don't have somebody on Valentine's Day and you say you don't, that you very much want that, it might be because you're in your own way. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Keith Abloh. Keith, you're doing some great work now in terms of consulting people on changing their lives, including some of the issues we're talking about, with something called pain to power. What what is this? What is pain to power? What are you doing with people? So, look, basically, it's exactly what we're talking about. People get in their own way, and they go through some very difficult things. You know, who hasn't had chapters of their life stories that they would say, yeah, man, if I could have avoided that, Or maybe you're in the middle of it now saying, I can't believe it's Valentine's Day. And yet again, uh, I've found myself alone or I've broken up with someone or I really miss my marriage, whatever it might be. The bottom line is, if you can move from that pain by looking at it, by really understanding your life story to a powerful position, the powerful position comes from that inquiry. It comes from ending the running away from all these events in your life that have been difficult and instead looking at them and say, what can I learn from this? And one of the things you can learn from it is most of the things that we think nearly did us in, they didn't. We need to notice that and say, well, you know, I've been able to survive a lot of things and I'm going to repurpose my talents and my ability to get through things into achieving the next milestone in my life. So pain to power is basically the journey of saying, let me not run from anything. I'm going to turn around, I'm going to face it, I'm going to learn what I can from it, and I don't think my story's over. I'm going on to the next page, the next chapter, and it's going to be a good story in the end. It's sort of like when you go to a movie. I always tell people this. Who gets up in the middle of a film? because the main character's in trouble and leaves. Can you imagine? Tom Cruise is in a mess of trouble. I think we should get out of here. There's no way he's going to be able to make it through. No, nobody does that. The only time we do that is in our own lives. Nobody should walk out on their own life story, their own film of their existence. You can write the next scene. First, you have to imagine it, and it has to be true to you. And so that's the pain to power formula. That's what I do with people. Well, it's terrific. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing or take advantage of your services, they can go to the website pain2power.com. That's pain-2-power.com. A whole world opens up if you go there. Now, uh, on a very sad note, whether it's winter, whether it's Valentine's Day or anything else, is what we've been seeing in terms of the issue of suicide being thrust into the national spotlight. Uh, Jeremy Jombie, we remember him well um, in, in the New York area, um, a, a baseball player with the Royals, the Athletics, the Phillies, the Red Sox, and the brother of New York Yankee Jason Giambi kills himself at the age of 47. And then this is just a couple weeks after Chelsea, Chelsea Christ, Chesley Christ, a former Miss USA, dies at 30 years old after killing herself. Now, I think a lot of people might look at these stories and see these two people very attractive, uh, 
fairly well to do, um, both very talented in their professions, both incredibly well-known, wealthy, famous, young, seemingly healthy. Seems like they had everything going for them. Why would people like this turn to suicide, Dr. Amplo? Well, one thing it tells us, Frank, is no one's immune to depression or suicide. And people have demons that aren't visible to cameras. They aren't visible to the paparazzi. They're not visible to fans. And depression, I like to say that depression should be thought of as a psychotic illness. It's not just an illness of mood. The reason for that is it literally deprives you of rational thought. You know, if you were rational, you'd say, look, I can't possibly predict next month. I can't predict tomorrow, let alone next month. Things can't possibly be as dark and without exit, you would say, if not uh, for an assault on your rational thought by depression, you'd say, I I can't predict, so I'm going to stick it out. Unfortunately, depression commandeers that ability to see the future. It commandeers your ability to say, uh, I have some stress in my life or uh, I have certain anxieties that are rising up from the past. But that doesn't mean that with the proper help or passage of time that things won't get better next week, next month. Maybe it'll take six months. It takes that away. It takes you out of the driver's seat of your own existence and makes you think that someone else is driving and is going to crash. Okay? That's the feeling of terrible anxiety or terrible depression. I tell people, listen, you have one job now. It's to separate yourself from that voice, if you will, that set of thoughts that is lying to you and telling you that your life is airless and without exit. It's a bunch of lies. You have to think of it as a third party and say, look, my one job now that I'm in this darkness is today I'm not doing anything to leave the planet. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I like the one day at a time philosophy for people going through depression, just like alcoholism. You might be in a unique position to answer the question that I'm about to ask because you are very well known and have been well known for a long time, having been on TV Having had your own show, have been a best-selling author, having been on some of the most listened-to radio shows in the country for a long time, and then through, you know, like a lot of people do, going through sort of a tough time, but in your case, going through that tough time in the public eye, are there times when it's more difficult being a celebrity going through a difficult time? Because unlike Joe Blow down the block, you don't get to go through that tough time tough time through the cloak of anonymity you have to go through that tough time with the whole world essentially watching you and by the way having no qualms about letting you know how they feel about you on social media during that time (laughs) are there times when it's more difficult to be a well-known a famous person a celebrity like a jeremy giambi or like a miss christ sure Uh, Yes. And this isn't whining because of being a well-known person, which, you know, a lot of people would like it. And and there are wonderful elements of it. And you get to go on the Frank Verano show if you're lucky enough. Right. So the height height of my day. All right. Well, there you go. But yes, it is for two reasons. 
One is it exposes you to a lot of variables you might not otherwise be exposed to. So you have this megaphone shouting back at you. So as you said, when I went through the tough times I did, um, it was going through the tough times with headlines, front page headlines. And so you think to yourself, whoa, my kids are seeing this, et cetera, et cetera. And it can weigh, obviously, you'd have to be a sociopath for it not to weigh on you. The other thing uh, is that fame is very seductive. We're here on Valentine's Day. It's easy to fall in love with your public face. Now, this isn't just true, by the way, for celebrities. This is true for everybody. The way you're thought of in a community or at work or in your family when that shifts or you feel like it could shift, it can feel like you're losing everything because we affiliate so much with the face we present to the world. It's accelerating and it's, it's it much more um, intense for a celebrity, but it's true for everyone. What I want people to focus on is, listen, in the end, your core is what matters. So these things that swirl around you truly are swirling around you. And it comes down in the end to saying, am I going to give in or am, am I going to double down? And by the way, that's where this whole pain to power idea came from. You can, you can emerge from anything as long as you don't cash in your chips, mm. as long as you don't believe that all is lost. And this has all kinds of religious, obviously, Im importance, right? All of us are subject to uh, losing elements of ourselves. And then, you know what? All of us have the capacity for resurrection. We can be, in a sense, reborn. But you have to decide, you know what? I'm being purified by this. These things that are unfolding around me, what do they mean? You should say to yourself, almost like with curiosity, interesting, the DEA is raiding my office. I said to myself, who wants coffee? <laughs> I, I did say that to the guys. They said, Doc, we can't, we cannot accept coffee. I said, that's very sad in a way. Right? I mean, because if you look at things as like swirling around you, then you say, look, people have been tragically, in concentration camps. There are people getting up today who have to take their kids to hospitals for chemotherapy, okay? And I've always had this handy line since I had kids. I keep this line, like, in my back pocket. My kids are adults now. But I used to say to myself, if a deal didn't go through or I had a bad headline, I would say to myself, yeah, well, you're not a pediatrician, okay? Because I knew what would crush me Right? What would make me clear my desk and say, stop all calls, I am unavailable? One call from the pediatrician, God forbid. Keith, where are you? I'm in my office. Can you come by? Why? Well, I saw your son today. Okay, nothing matters then. The DEA, I'd be like, guys, have at it for three days if you want. My kid, he's over two miles away, I gotta go. That's perspective. Mm. And folks, you know, by the way, Frank, there's probably someone listening right now who has thought or is thinking, is it worth going on? The answer is you better believe it, buddy. Is hey. it worth going on? 
Tomorrow, it could be a whole new set of circumstances. You don't know. No, it's uh, very true. And, you know, one group that has really struggled with uh, suicide, and uh, they are even worse off than celebrities, is uh, our country's veterans. You know, it gets uh, people, I think, know this statistic, but there's about 22 veterans a day that kill themselves, that take their own lives. And uh, if you look at the number of people that have taken their own life after serving in the military since September 11th, it's far, far more than the number of people that have died in all the wars since September 11th. And, uh, I, you know, I uh, we talked about this uh, this group on this show called the Gold Shield, which is a membership organization uh, which is dedicated to stamping out veteran suicide. People can learn more about that group by going to the simple truth us. But you have actually formed a uh, a charity, a 501 C three dedicated to preventing veteran suicide. It's called help 22. Tell me what was the, uh, what was the uh, motivation for you to start this group help 22? It's exactly what you said, Frank, uh, a couple of things. Number one, it seemed to me to be a horrible tragedy. Here are people who've gone to war for this country who are now uh, facing another war, and it's taking their lives. 22, approximately, others say 20, some say more, veterans taking their lives a day. So I teamed up with Commander Kirk Lippold. Com- the commander was the commander of the USS Cole when the USS Cole was attacked by Al-Qaeda. He saw horrible things and lived through them and and acted heroically in those moments, but he knows what kind of an impact those experiences can have on our veteran population. So I just thought, man, this is this can't stand. So I started help22.org. I said, well, what can we do? How about on the 22nd of every month, if we impart to as many people as want it for free, from social workers and counselors and life coaches and psychiatrists and psychologists, a very clear message that we're going to ask them to fight another war. If they thought their service was done, it isn't. The second war is we need you to stay on the planet with us. Mm. We need you every day to get up and say, I'm not giving up because that's what they did for us in war. Now they've got to do it for us again and for themselves. And if we can take this one day at a time philosophy, that's what we want to impart to them. Well, that is just wonderful. And whatever people think of uh, me, whatever they think of Keith Ablow, uh, this is something that, in my view, is a national tragedy that the whole country should be united on. So I hope people go to help22.org. That's help22.org. And look into this organization, look into how they can help uh, reduce, or if not put an end, to veteran suicide. Dr. Ablow, it is always a treat to talk with you. I'll look forward to the next time you join us dark and early. All right, pal. I'll be here. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Dr. Keith Ablo. Hey, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a minute, but we were doing the $1,000 minute 20 minutes ago, and we were talking to Tom, and um, then he guessed. My question was, who was the last Catholic, who was the last pope to be made a saint? And Tom answered, Pope John. Now, I said, and I stand by this, that that was incorrect, that it was not Pope John because he got John the 23rd 
John whomever. I said it was John Paul II. Well, I received an SMS text message from our owner, John Katsimatidis at that point, who says, I think that guy got screwed with Pope John. I said, really? Because John's a fair guy and a smart guy. And ultimately, look, this is all his money. And so he says, yes, let him come back another day. Your listeners probably agree with me. So, Tom, I have been overruled by our owner, John Katsimatidis. So what we want to do is we w- we're going to invite you back tomorrow to play the $1,000 Minute again tomorrow. I, I think that's fantastic. The Catman uh, cat is always uh, fair and reasonable. All right. So, so you, you're, you're, you feel good about this. We'll have a, a, a kosher contest here tomorrow. We'll, we'll all be good. I, I can't wait. I, uh, I'm going to go to sleep now just to make sure I'm up bright and early. What, wonderful. Dark. Well, if I were you, I'd be studying. Between now and tomorrow for the next 24 hours. All right, Tom. So, so good. You feel, you, you feel good about this. You don't feel cheated at all that you're going to have another opportunity. I, I actually didn't feel cheated before, but, uh, but it was a, it's a privilege to talk to you. Myself. All right. Well, likewise, Tom, and uh, best to everybody over there in, in your world. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, something tells me his Valentine's Day, uh, Valentine's an awfully lucky person.